and that we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of your frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory networks. You know what? Good morning, everybody. It's Jenny with uh, another Sensory Matters show, episode four of season uh, two. And I'm joined this morning by Lorraine and Joel. Morning. Morning. Hi. And today, following on our mental health theme, last week we chatted about children's mental health. And so today we thought it would be good to investigate adult mental health and explore if there are much differences in, in terms of how it presents and things that maybe adults do differently or different options that they have for supporting themselves and getting the help they need. So let's start with, is there a difference? Can you see a difference between child and adult mental health with signs and symptoms that present themselves? Lorraine, what do you think? I think they're very similar. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything that I said in the last podcast that I would say to watch out for in children, I would say to watch out for in adults as well. So things like disengaging from your usual activities, not wanting to socialise, withdrawing from the world, yeah. avoiding things. Or overeating, undereating, not going to work, not getting dressed, all those kind of things. Yeah, um, Getting snappy think, with people, arguing with people. I think with adults it's... Um... It can be a lot worse because it can go unchecked for longer. Yeah. Okay. Like with a kid, you've obviously if you've got school, you've got the parent there going, okay, you missed one day, so you have to go another day. But if you're an adult and let's say you work from home like we work from home, you can yeah. still be, you can still function while staying in bed and not really getting changed and not going to shower. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. can still do what you need to do for the day because it might take you two hours. Usually it might take you five hours that day, but you can still do it. Yeah, and I suppose that's the difference, isn't it? That adult adults tend to be in control of their choices, whereas children are often forced to get on with things with the adult hiding them saying, right, get to school, get to that club. And that may well help them come out of it because they go and actually do something Whereas adults, we can kind of hide away and avoid things for longer because we make those choices. Yeah, and I think an adult can mask as well. So if you do have a job, you'll go to work and you'll do everything you possibly can to get through that day. But then when you get home, then that's it. You've got nothing left. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, anything else that's different between the two? Oh, well, sorry. Yeah, well, Joel, you thought about um, how, how they're portrayed. Yeah, I think... So, as how am I going to word this one side? As a child, it's possibly less. It's harder to realize that your child might have mental health issues or anxiety, because most of the time, this is going off my own experience. Most of the time, the way that a child will tell you that they have anxiety or mental health issues is through how it physically feels so it comes across as a physical illness yeah while as an adult i think we have the tools to at least go and know okay it's not a physical illness it's something else 
even if we can't verbalize it, so we know where to get the right help for it. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely sore tummies and feeling sick and stuff like that is common in children when they're, you know, on a Sunday night or something like that, or a Monday morning. Whereas as adults, we're able to say, well, yeah, okay, that is because this is coming up or because I don't want to face this. Yeah, and we're also able to, so say, say we had to go to school as an adult, on a Sunday night, we can decide, you know what, that's too much for me, I'm not going. Where a child yeah. doesn't have yeah. that control. Also, I think as well, when I was a kid, I, and sometimes it still happens, I can't differentiate from my physical symptoms being different to, like, if I'm feeling anxious and I have a stomach ache. Sometimes I can't tell that it's because I'm feeling anxious still. Yeah. I think so. I think that's a lot of what kids go through is they've got a stomach ache, so they have a stomach ache. It's not because of anxiety. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's the amazing thing about our bodies, isn't it? As well that 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 level of kind of not feeling right can cause the physical symptoms. So it's not like anyone is lying about it or making it up it, it does cause physical yeah and symptoms. i think within our community as well if you've got sensory processing difficulties and you struggle with interception as well it, you know you you might yeah. not know what's going on at all mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah so it could be very very tough um feeling like that so what what other things differ in terms of adults and how things that might happen as a result of mental health that I think for children. me uh, some of the signs that I'm struggling is I will start to drink more alcohol um I'd like to mm-hmm. think that a child's not doing that <laughs> um yes. when I was a smoker yeah. I, w- I would smoke a, a lot more uh, I've never taken yeah. drugs but I'm pretty sure that if I had it's probably something that I would do to self-medicate yeah I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that children don't do any of this, but it would be more adults. It, it's um, like coping mechanisms, unhealthy coping mechanisms, really. But it's a short-term yeah. solution and it makes think... us feel better and we think we're controlling it. And sometimes we can't see that we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do anything like that, Joel? I don't think so. Mm. Like... I'm not like a big drinker smoker anyway, so like, it's not something that I do when I'm stressed. Right. Because it's not something that I really do anyway. Okay. I do think in terms of mental health understanding that it's not quite there with adults yet in terms of, for the most part, in terms of like work and stuff like that. Yeah. It's changing slowly, but like the idea of mental health days is still quite yeah. a new thing. And the idea of, oh, I'm just telling your boss, oh, I need to stay home because um, I'm super anxious or something in certain sectors still isn't acceptable. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you're doing stuff like shift work at restaurants and stuff, you can't really cancel last minute yeah and i I think that also adds to to the worries and the anxiety because you're thinking i need to take time off but i'm gonna let someone down yeah yeah absolutely and that can 
make it worse, can't it? Put you under more pressure. And I think with kids now, at least, I think like schools and stuff are more understanding. Yes. Like there's more a thing of, oh, you're feeling anxious. Okay, go outside the class five minutes, calm down and stuff. And I think that kind of model needs to be transferred into the world of work and the world of adults as a whole. Yeah. Because I think even down to doctors, like certain medical practitioners don't take it as seriously as they could as well. And you see that online quite a lot on Facebook. You see like articles of saying, oh, I had whatever i had depression and it took me six years to be diagnosed because yeah I've, I've, had I've had first-hand experience with this and i yeah. think the whole we're having a lot of chat about children's mental health which we should because it's important and they turn into adults and they have good mental health and they have good mental health as adults but that's the this is the wrong word but that's the prevention side of it but you also have to deal with the adults who already have bad mental health. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think we can teach our it. children, which means when they become adults, it's easier for them to identify and feel that they can speak about it. Where some of us, that it's always been a taboo subject. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it should be down to charities and NGOs. To, I think they, there's a lot of pressure on charities and NGOs which takes the pressure off of the government and society yeah, in general. Yeah, I think because I've worked yeah. in the NHS and I've been to the NHS for help. So I've seen um, working in a GP practice, they, they, ha- they score points for certain things. And if somebody is on a certain medication for a certain amount of time, they're encouraged to get them off that medication. And that includes antidepressants. Yes, although there must be evidence behind behind that, you know, that yeah, they, they, there must be medical science behind the benefit of getting yeah. people and that's off, where, but it's balancing that, isn't like it? Like, you've got with, people that work, for, in my surgery, people working upstairs doing the, the admin. Shouldn't be down to them to send letters yes. out to people saying, come in for a medication review, um, because they've noticed on a screen that they've been on that medication for six months, for example. Yeah, you should have a medication review because you need a medication yeah. review, but yes. not because you're going to get points for your surgery if you can get people off that medication. Also, yeah. the issue is taking people off the medication but not giving them yeah. roads to counselling or Yeah, like no follow-up. I was taken off them. my medication years ago. Um, I was obviously... I knew exactly what had happened because when I got called into the surgery they started to talk in a way that I'd heard at work that they obviously had spotted me as one of these people that had been on antidepressants for a certain amount of time and they needed to get me off them. So I went along with it and I came off them and I had the worst year of my life. But I was never told if this happens, do this. If if you struggle, come back. It was just wean yourself off them, stop taking them. And that's it. I'm going to use a metaphor which might not be the perfect metaphor but like for example you have a drug addict if you take them off drugs cold turkey but don't give them coping mechanisms that's not the right thing to do and essentially you're doing the same thing because the antidepressants affect your body and balance you out 
if you take yourself off those antidepressants with nothing else, then essentially you're going to get withdrawal symptoms and you're mm. going to go back into the state where you were because you don't have anything to help you. But I assume with this sort of thing that they, that they don't just go, right, okay, you're on 100 milligrams or something, let's stop it today. They would encourage you to yeah, gradually you reduce miss one the day, dose one week, and see and how you do. Miss two with that kind of thing till you're down to one every other day. Um, so you do you do do it slowly. Um, yeah. But that doesn't. Well, the point is that doesn't stop the depression. The depression is still there. No, and, and if, yeah, and if your your level of serotonin's not right, and that medication helps, when you take yourself off that medication, whether you've done it gradually or not, your serotonin levels are still going to be wrong. The issue yeah. isn't. I'm not saying don't take people on, off antidepressants. I'm taking saying if you're going to take people off antidepressants give them counselling or give them CBT or give them something else and that that avenue isn't there yeah or like you know when you take a child to A&E and they get admitted to hospital and then when they get discharged you get like an open ended you can come back for the next seven yes. days maybe it's something like that you know we're going to withdraw you from your medication and for three months you can access XYZ if you need to yeah no, that makes something like that. Although I do wonder with these medication review appointments, if if it's you know they have to kind of there are probably rules where they have to go right. If someone's been on it for six months, we bring them in, and maybe the maybe we're misinterpreting this that the bringing them in doesn't mean they're wanting to get you off. They're wanting to check if they could get you off, and if if they if they could, then they'll talk about reducing the dose, etc. But I think that opens a whole other avenue of conversation, which is I don't think. To this day, it's seen as um, it's not fully acceptable to be on antidepressants. So if you're the person coming in for your review, does it make you feel like a bit of a failure if you then don't say to the GP, yeah, OK, I'm willing to give it a go and start reducing your dose? Do you see what I mean? And also people want to get off these things to some extent. So it's it's almost impossible to find the right way in that consultation because you're dealing with whoever's coming in preconceived perceptions yeah. of wanting to get well and listening to the doctor and thinking yeah okay I'll try it rather than being brave enough to say do you know what actually I'm, I'm not ready for this yeah and do you know what the, la- the last medication review I had uh, the GP was like you know have a think about it think about coming off and I've, I've thought about it and I'm actually reducing mine now but I think if we go back to when Joel said that some GPs don't understand mm. Some GPs will get you in for your medication review and, you know, if, you, if you're feeling good, maybe look at reducing the dosage. Where some GPs might just want to get you off because that's what they've been told yeah. to do. Yeah. And it's who you get because I've seen a GP about mental health who told me that I wasn't depressed and that I was going through early menopause. Right. Um, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But also even, and this is again because neurotypical people are quite linear but you know that Lorraine will know this you know that questionnaire that they gave you at the beginning like to judge your mental health it's really flawed yeah the the questions are like I don't really know the answers to that that doesn't make sense that I went on it was like how often do you think about suicide and it was like one to ten and I was like well I can't answer that because I might think about it all the time, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to do it. And there's no option to write that down. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think there needs to be kind of like an upheaval on the way that you... That GPs 
talk about and understand mental health within like their practice yeah but i think that's not down to the gps that's down to the government to go something isn't working because something isn't working and how do we fix it Mm. yeah i mean i think i think you're right an overhaul of all of it does from what you guys are saying make sense we unfortunately can't influence that too much um so i think my takeaway from what you guys are saying is if you are called in for a medication review then have a good think before you go in about whether you want to come off whether it feels like the right time for you to come off and be prepared to fight it if it's not right for you mm-hmm. um I, I think it's important to have continuity of gps as well because i've seen so many gps the, the gp that originally put me on antidepressants told me that i could be on them for life if they helped me mm-hmm. Um, another GP told me I should come off them. Another GP has been really understanding and asking me how I'm getting on and do I think I could do without them. And each GP has a different view. Yes. And that means that my continuity of care is up and down and that then impacts the way I think about medication. Yeah. Yeah. So sticking, sticking to the same GP would help that, wouldn't it? Yeah. I will... But you can't, in this day and age, it's really difficult to do that. I will say one yeah. thing. The UK is very lucky with the mental health help they have compared to Gibraltar. Gibraltar literally has none. Really? Like, the amount of um, life taken away through banned mental health. Last year, there was something like 17 lives, and they were all men. Wow. What's the population of Gibraltar? 30,000. So, yeah, it's like, it's a substantial amount. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Really sad that we can't get to yeah. them and help them. I mean, because people complain a lot about um, the NHS and mental health over here and things, and there are massive gaps and there's a lot that needs to be done. But I must say that I've always been very lucky. Yeah. And, you know, when it's come to self-referring, um, I got seen really quickly. I had an amazing therapist and it. I know that that's not across the board in the UK. I do feel very yeah. lucky, but there are people out there that do want to help. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's take a quick break there and then we'll come back and then we can talk a bit more about um, where we can get help back soon. Introducing limited edition Chewy Gems. These are products that we are unlikely to produce again. And this is for many reasons, including improvements to designs, colours and packaging. Find them on the Chewy Gem website and look for the limited edition badge. Now back to the podcast. Right, welcome back. Um, So we were kind of having a good old moan about the good old NHS, but also singing its praises um, and some kind of tips on how to handle things with your GP, getting continuity of care, um, standing up for yourself if you don't think something's right, the difference in the way the two can present. So between child and adult. So what about things that people can do to help themselves? Well, I think if, if you are in a situation where you need to see a therapist or you need some help in that sort of way and you can't self-refer, because some places across the country you can self-refer. We have up here, it's called First Steps. Right. And you can just go online and self-refer and you'll get a phone call for like a triage appointment. Okay. And then from there, you get an appointment to go in and see somebody. And then that's like an initial appointment where you decide if you like each other, if you think it's going to work. And if not, you can refuse that therapist 
and so <coughs> wow that's good yeah I, I found it really really easy to get into the system in mm-hmm. my area by doing that I think I waited six weeks okay. which I, I felt was pretty quick yeah that is pretty quick yeah I that's used good. that service as well when I was at uni yeah and it, I, I felt it was really good um but not everywhere does have that service so I think sometimes you just have to really fight for yourself so when you go in and see a GP um my experience with GPs has been very up and down when I just kept going back and seeing a different one and a different one and a different one um until I saw this nurse practitioner who actually took the time to look over my notes yeah she was like oh you know you need basically you need your brain unpicked and put back together in the right order so that you can understand everything that's happened in your life yeah Um, and she was the one who told me about the self-referral to first steps right but but I had to just keep going and it's really hard because every time you go to the doctors you think one of them's going to knock you back again and tell you no you're fine go away Yeah. yeah but if you don't keep going I just think where would I be now yeah absolutely I think um in terms of helping yourself um if you're at uni because I know we're talking about other stuff but like maybe there's someone at university who um is listening to this they tend to have a lot of um what do you call it they tend to have a lot of mental health services within the university so you can get counseling there it might be a long wait but it's might be worth it it might be easier than going to your gp about it yeah um, i saw actually because last week we talked about cooth which is an online um place that kids can go and speak to counselors mm-hmm. and they have an adult version called quell yep and when i looked at that you can actually sign up as um as a business to help support your employees so you can sign up to um, oh, I can't think what it's called now. So the Cooth is for kids, Quell is for adults, and it's Zenzone, X-E-N-Z-O-N-E. So, yeah, so they had the child and adults, and now they've added businesses and employers. So you can sign up as an employer so that your employees have access straight away to mental health support through this website. Also, oh, Childline yeah. have um, live chat as well. Right. And you can, well, more they just, like, lead you to services but you can your child can chat to someone from Childline on there yeah and as adults i've i've actually done this you can email the samaritans and they will email you back um i've had a chat with the samaritans one evening when i was really really down um and i didn't know what to do and i thought right i'm just going to email the samaritans and i got a reply and i just had an email chat i do think as well it's important to highlight um some LGBT services because um, pe- LGBT people might not be as comfortable going to non-LGBT services. So mm-hmm. there's stuff like mermaids and um, if you go onto Stonewall's website, they have a few um, links to places where you can get mental health help as well. But they also recommend Minds as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So what what was that word one again? Zen zone. Z- yeah, Z- uh, X E N Z O N E. Right. Okay. We should sign up for that. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty good, and I thought you know if more employers knew about it, because I just happened to come across the website when I was looking for the alternative to the the children's version of it, 
And I thought, yeah. if more employees knew about it, would they sign up to it? Mm-hmm. I suppose it depends on, yeah. on, I mean, you'll obviously have to pay for it, but, you know, mm-hmm. it would be good. It would be something good to offer your employees. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But this is um, totally off topic, but I was listening to a book the other day, uh, like a business book, and they were talking about Netflix mm-hmm. and how Netflix offer each of its employers £2,000 if they don't want to work there just to leave. Yeah, yeah. Which book's that? Oh, it's the one that I sent you the link to. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Audible. It's about building um, building subscribers. It's oversubscribed. Yeah. But, yeah, I was listening to that, and I thought that's really good because it means that they get people working for them that want to be there. But if you don't want to be there, you've got that little cushion of £2,000 to find somewhere you want to be. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, Netflix are like my hero when it comes to business and work and, and how they look after their people. Yeah. They're incredible. They really are. Love them. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so there's some tips. One, one thing I was thinking there, though, Lorraine, when you said one night you were feeling really down and, and you emailed the Samaritans and that helped, is there ever a point where people feel down and they can't actually think of what to do to find that help? You know what I mean? Yeah, I would imagine yeah. so. And um, just as a scenario, imagine that you're at your lowest point and you're doing something like drinking alcohol, taking drugs. Then you're not thinking straight at all. You weren't thinking straight to start with, but then you've added all of this extra, to the extra alcohol and drugs to your body. You might not have a clue what's going on. No. I'm not going to lie. I've been in situations where I've been so depressed that I've just gone and opened a bottle and then I've fallen asleep. And the next morning I thought I could have done anything. Mm-hmm. I do know as well yeah. that um, some, it's a thing within uh, the autistic community. So some autistic people, when they have meltdowns or feel down, can get catatonic. Yes. So it's happened to me not for long periods of time, but like, <laughs> I know that it can happen for a few days, so there's that as well. Yeah. Did yeah. you watch the um, Losing It programme, Joel? No. Can you get Channel 4 over there? Yeah. Uh, it's on Channel 4, it's called Losing It, and it's um, a mental health unit in Nottingham, and it's following real people. So the first episode was on last week, and I watched it, and one of them was a young girl who was 11 who was suicidal, and then there was a, a woman who had um, postnatal schizophrenia. Depression. Uh, right. A very interesting program. I definitely uh, give Found it a watch. I watch it tonight. Yeah, the um, the mm. the little girl who goes in. It's Jamie when Jamie was that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk oh. about catatonic um things, but when I watched it, I saw that girl and I thought, well, me and Casper were actually chatting at the same time while we watched it, and thought that's a meltdown or a sensory overload. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what else was I was just thinking there about when you get to that state because um, you know how what what could people do to help themselves in that state or put strategies in place to to get the support they need if that hits them. If you're at that but, that stage where it's yeah. like gone too far, I don't think there's anything you can do. I think. Well, because the only thing I was thinking was I I, I have a friend who um, has attempted to take a life a couple of times. And we, we uh, locally have a group of friends that we, we can see the signs that this person's getting down. 
And so we kind of have a group and we all keep an eye on how active this person is on social media or, you know, what, what they're like. And then if, if they go dark and they go quiet and all the rest of it, then one of us will pop round or, or do something to check it up on them. Um, so I'm just wondering, obviously, when you're in that state, you, you, you wouldn't think of that. But if you were in a good place and you know you can get in that state, could you have a, a group of friends that you say, right, can you look out? My signs are these things. When I start behaving like this, that's when you need to step yeah, in. Yeah, but, like, it's harder because, like, you could do that. But then sometimes you'll just be like, no, I'm fine, go away. And then yeah. what do you do? Like, yeah. like what happens like, when everyone's asleep? Because that's when, when everyone's gone to bed, that's when I've been at my most suicidal. I mean, yeah, no, I know, I know. But at the same time, it's better having yeah. something. And you know, I've been on the receiving end of the yeah, yeah. I'm fine, and you, you know, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah but really good. And I think if you've got a group of friends like that, that that's really good. But if you push too much, and that person is not in the thing. right state, they're going to push back. Like, I think yeah. when you're at that point, there's nothing you can do. But as you're going down, if you notice it, that's when you can do something. And actually, I think it's maybe important to speak about when you're not, when somebody's not coming across as down, they're coming across as suddenly they're okay. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I've lost a few friends. And when we've looked back over it, they have appeared happy and okay. And we think that's because they were prepared for what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made the decision, decision. They were happy. Yeah. And it's not until we look back over it and think, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." But yeah, sometimes yeah. that's an that's a sign that they've made their decision, and there's still time. There's still time to get yeah. some help. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, any other kind of things people can do to get support or help or self-care? Yeah, I think we should talk about, um, I'm running on, but uh, what am I looking for? Um, uh, Strategies to help with mental health. Did you guys talk about that last week? Are we repeating ourselves? We touched on it a bit. I mean, I think some of it still applies. And if people haven't listened to the children's one, it's probably worth you know doing a bit of a headline i on think it. as an adult as well it's easier to have strategies to get out of bad mental health like you have a lot more freedom as an adult like if i just yeah. want to go for a walk to clear my head i can go for a walk to clear my head and yeah. it's a bit harder with kids for the most part yeah but then i'm going to jump in there and say as a parent of autistic kids who's had no support who often can't leave the house, That's you, you can be very restricted as an adult as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That is but true. Even, for example, if you liked writing, even if you were in the house and you couldn't leave, writing could be an outlet. Yeah. Like, I think, I think adults have a lot... have a lot more... not self-awareness, what I'm looking for the word of. Um, kind of like have a lot more options and know and know like a lot more avenues to try different things so like Mm -hmm. a child might not go oh today i'm going to try and color to try and get me out of this mood but now it might go 
oh, there's a colouring app, I'll find it, and it might be the trigger to help them yeah. uh, improve their mental health. I think adults are quite lucky in that way, where they'll go, yeah, we'll try this, yeah, we'll try that, while kids, I don't think, have that as much. Yeah, yeah. and kids need more I don't know prompting. if I'm making any sense. No, kids may need more prompting yeah. as well, where adults can, you know, think of it themselves. But I do think actually thinking about being a parent and having kids that are autistic or any any disability, even just kids in general, I think it's important for you to realise that if you do need help and you haven't got help within your family, it's important to ask for help because you can get to the point where it goes too far and then you haven't asked for help. Yeah. And it, it's all going to go wrong anyway. So because I know a lot of parents think, well, I don't want to ask for help because that makes me look weak or I don't want social services involved or something like that. But actually, that would be a better step than what could happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think though, Lorraine, you do pick up on a good point about being a parent of children with additional needs and how, because I'm, I'm even thinking what Joel said, you know, you could listen to music or whatever or write something down in your house. But depending on what's going on in the house, that might not no. be... Possibly. Yeah, like I couldn't put so headphones on because I need to hear the kids. It's little things like that yeah. that if the kids aren't here, work fine. But then a lot of the time kids aren't going to school, it's holidays, it's the weekend, um, or they haven't slept and I'm just too tired to even think. And I'm yeah. I'm in a good place at the moment yeah. and it's still a struggle. So for anybody that's, you know, when, when Jamie wasn't sleeping at all, if anybody's in that situation, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So in in that then, have you got, because I mean, that's obviously going to be an awful lot of our community that are are maybe parents of people on the spectrum um, who find themselves in that situation. Have you got any tips of how you can look after your own mental health? No, because I didn't. I was the person that I'm going to do this. I'm the parent. I'm going to soldier through and I'm going to make sure that I can do this. And then that definitely affected my mental health. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's worth, again, I know this is hard with kids, but you can even just do it on your notes app. Just keeping um, a tracker of your mood each day. Yeah, there's there's quite a lot of apps as well that you can do that with. So you just put morning, afternoon, evening, and what's happened during the day. And it, it it doesn't really affect it in the short term. But, like, let's say after two months, you can look back and go, okay, these are my triggers. I think if you can't, if you don't want to or you can't get access to counselling and stuff, because this is what they'll tell you to do anyway, especially in CVT, it's a kind of way of you being able to do it for yourself. Yeah. And if by doing that, you can keep a record of how you're feeling that when you do manage to go and get help, you've got notes in which yeah. you can discuss. If you go to a GP with that, they're more likely to listen to yeah. you. If, it, if it's yes. a GP who's sceptical about mental health, they're more likely to go, oh, okay, yeah. Then if you just go in and go, oh, I'm feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um because everyone could grab a couple of, you know, 30 seconds. Yes, yeah. even if it's like just um, before you go to bed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe that works. 
to get stuff out in there as well. And some of them as well have like, what was one positive thing that happened during the day? And that's quite good, especially if you're like most people when before you go to bed, just when it hits. By doing that, you're yeah. kind of like, yeah, okay, it might not have been a big thing, but this was positive. Yeah, it might sense. even be, oh, I had a nice piece of toast. Or yeah. And like I think that. it's important that people should just be nice generally, because now that you've said that, it reminded me of uh, the Compliment Game, which is a Facebook group. And I think it started off in Wales where people left compliments all around Cardiff. And I'm, oh, what is yeah. that? Um, there's the shop in Wales and it does all the cool stuff. Oh, I asked you to look oh, at them I as a vendor. Know. I can't remember. I can't oh, remember what they're called now, but they're fantastic. Yes. They have all these really cool um, self-help things and things that just make you feel good. And then I, I picked Jamie up from yeah. school on Friday to go to CAMS, and on the front desk is a little pot, and it says, please take a compliment. So I've had all the kids write compliments, Aww. put them in the jar, and then if you're feeling a bit down, you can just take a compliment. I just think there's a lot of things we could all do as society. In fact, me and Amy were talking about yes. this when we were up in Dundee about how we just go up to people and we'll, Amy would say to that uh, to the lady, your hat's lovely. You know, just these little things. Yes. And they could make somebody's day and they could change things completely yeah. for one person. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've just got a, a, a poster for the um, office which sums that up. It's just called, it just says in black on a white background, yeah. be a nice human. And I think if you take no other message away than that, it's it's that, isn't it? Yeah. It can make a big difference to people. One thing that I want to say, going back to the main conversation, is because I can see this podcast inadvertently doing this, is don't feel pressured to have perfect mental health. Like, it's okay not to be okay as long as you're aware mm. of you're at this state. Let's say you're at, if it's 1 to 10, and one's fine. If you're at a three, it's fine to be at a three. But if you go down to a five, just be aware that you shifted down. Yes. Like, it's okay not to be at a one. As long as you're self-aware enough to go, this is where I am now. And if I shift, okay, I've shifted. But then yeah. if you go down even more, that's when you're like, okay, so this is, I've gone from a three to a seven. I need to get back up to at least a five to be at an okay level from where I was. Yeah, and I think yeah, if, so if anybody's like me, I catastrophize a lot, so everything's worst-case scenario. So if if mm -hmm. I'm having a bad day, that, then regardless of what's happened, I just don't want to be here anymore. And I'm, I've started to talk to myself inside my head and say, right, stop. This is going to be different tomorrow. I think as well, yes. especially with social media there's and it's unintentional because i don't think people realize they do it there's a bit of like a toxic positivity thing going on where it's like oh it's fine not to be okay but be okay you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> i think they don't mean to but that's the way that it comes off to people with mental health problems with people who don't have mental health yeah. problems are like yeah it's fine not to have mental health like problems. last week i mentioned um, an autobiography that i had was reading and that um, she left a book on the bed for the kids to write their worries in. But at the same time in that autobiography, yes. she said, when people ask, how are you? And everybody says, oh, I'm okay. And we say that we should say, well, no, do you know what? Actually, I'm not okay. Davina McCall says, yeah. 
just try it. Just say, do you know what? I'm absolutely fantastic. And I thought, oh, God, that would be dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but would it make you feel better? Yeah. I can't, I can't look out if it would be a good thing or a bad thing. I think it yeah. depends exactly where you are, doesn't it? I think it, it really does depend. I mean, I've definitely done that. I've done the whole trying to, when I've been flat and stuff, trying to say positive things and think positive things. And if people ask me things, say, yeah, everything's great. Um, and, and it can, it can bring you out of it. But also sometimes yeah, just because saying, sometimes you need that help and support and you need to say that you're not. You know what annoys me? Have you seen that meme? And this is, I've seen someone post the meme, it's okay not to be okay. And right afterwards post a meme of, oh, you shouldn't complain about your life because people have it so much worse. And I'm a bit like, mm. so basically you're saying it's not okay. Yeah, yeah that, okay. that is an annoying like, one. Yeah. I'm like, it, yes. people have it worse, but because people have it worse doesn't mean that you don't have it bad. Yeah, or you don't feel like, like bad. So, yeah, someone wherever is starving. That doesn't take it away from the fact that you're feeling terrible. It just makes you yeah. feel more terrible. Because yeah, people it, does, don't it makes you feel like, oh, well, I shouldn't be worrying about myself. Now I feel awful for doing that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's quite a dangerous mentality to be in, especially when it's kind of a mainstream sort of thing, where people like, there's there tend to be mixed messages towards mental health. Yes. Yeah. I, I I think it goes back to what we said last week, which is mental health is no different to physical health in that it, it can be up and down. You can be well sometimes and not the others. And it's you've just got to think of it like that because you don't feel bad if you've got a cold or the flu. It's just you've got a cold or the flu and it's it's the same. Yeah, yeah. like I said it at the beginning of this podcast, I woke up and I feel fluey. After this podcast, yeah. I'm going to get a blanket and go and lie on the sofa. But I don't, I don't know if I was feeling yeah. mentally unwell, if I'd have said that. I might have still gone and lay on the sofa with a blanket, yes. but I might not have told you. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. that's the bit we need to get mm-hmm. to, isn't it, where people can... Well, that's that. where I was last week and I told you guys. Like, I think once you become... I think it depends on your situation as well. Like, I'm perfectly fine with telling you guys, okay, I'm feeling anxious. I need the day off or I can't come to a meeting. But I think yeah. you need to be in the right work environment or life environment to be able to do yeah. that. Yes. And hopefully, gradually we're changing that like you know we, we touched on last week that duvet days for example which came from america and i think a few companies do it which are basically mental health days that instead of people throwing a sticky pretending they've got a sore tummy it's okay to go yeah. i just need to be in my duvet today because yeah. uh, yeah. that's the truth sometimes isn't it yeah okay well i think we'll wrap up there i don't think we've covered quite a lot is there anything that we've missed that we need to cover I don't think so. I think uh, just one thing to say is you won't be able to see this um, in iTunes and stuff, but if you go to the website to the blog, I'll list out a bunch of um, places where you can get help, so websites. So if you listen to this on um, on the podcast, like on iTunes, go to the Chewy Gem blog 
and click on podcast and click on the first one and you'll find all the details there. Yeah. Um, so that's us for this week. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this week. And thank you once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds, then go and give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our content. And we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five-star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available, why not hit subscribe? And that way you'll never miss us. Finally, if you're not already a member of our fantastic Facebook support group, I suggest you go join it. We'd love to see you in there. There's loads of fantastic chat, lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you. So go and search on Facebook for the Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes. Speak to you then. Bye.